0: In the spring of 1984, a diver named Neil Pritt was searching Wasdale Lake for a missing college student when he stumbled upon a large piece of rolled-up carpet tied to a block of concrete. Inside the carpet was the perfectly preserved body of an entirely different woman, a woman who had never been reported missing. Her name was Margaret Hogg. Welcome to Crime Soup Podcast. I'm Hannah Canapis. and I'm Kaylee. And this week we'll be discussing the life and death of a woman named Margaret Hogg from Surrey, England. We also have a guest with us today. He's the host of another true crime podcast that I highly recommend called Peak True Crime, which focuses on cases from Derbyshire and the Peak District. I hope I well done. That right. Congratulations!
1: <laughs> that was quite impressive. I have to say,
0: I had to look it up. <laughs>
1: i mean it wasn't perfect but it was a lot better than it could have been
0: so i'm going to turn the time over to shane from peak true crime so that he can introduce himself and tell us a bit about his podcast
1: um hello welcome everyone um my yeah my name's shane and i host it's a uk true crime podcast and it focuses on a part of the country that probably no one knows anything about would that be fair to say
0: I've never heard of it. Correct.
1: You've never heard of it. Great. Well, it's it's slap bang in the middle of the country. There's no coastline, which for an island is pretty impressive. And yeah, it's right in the middle of England. And what we're famous for, it uh, is famous for the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution.
0: Oh wow! Wow.
1: Yeah. Hey, you're impressed now, aren't you?
0: <laughs> um, so,
1: so yeah, it's quite a hilly, mountainous area. But there's a city called Derby in it just a kind of it was famous for pottery and rolls royce are based here
0: so kaylee and i have prepared some questions for you specifically about what it's like being british i wanted to give kaylee the opportunity first because i know i'm going to be doing a lot of talking so kaylee so i
1: i i am going to speak as a representative of 70 million people
0: yes (laughs) yes obviously this is totally fair If you get it wrong, there might be international conflict. So, Kaylee, did you have any questions for Shane about British culture, British food, British
2: language? What is it? I do, actually. And the first question is, um, how dare you? And the context is beans on toast. And I have some (laughs) questions about it.
1: Right, go on. (laughs) Uh, How how dare we? Um, Yes. Well, um, we we did. Go on.
2: Is it just like literal beans (laughs) on a piece of toast? When you say beans, what do you mean? I, I imagine like American sweet beans.
1: In the UK, traditionally, we don't have a great bean culture. We have Heinz baked beans. So these are white beans that are about half. The, I don't know what the actual bean is that's in there. That, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Okay, that um, answers
2: my question then, because I know exactly what Heinz baked beans are. Um, right, so
1: it's that's Heinz baked beans. Basically, they're Heinz beans, and you have them on a piece of toast. Um, do you know what toast is?
2: I do. Unfortunately. Right. So maybe in the UK, Heinz baked beans are much less sweet because in the, in the United States, they're like, there's like 30 grams of sugar and one can of.
1: I mean, they're all quite sweet. I doubt they're as sweet as they have them in America.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I that mean... does change my opinion a little bit because I'm yeah. thinking about baked beans here, slapped on a piece of toast. And I, I cannot imagine that being good. But then again, yeah. I don't like baked beans in general because I think they're too sweet, so. I looked up a list of supposed British
0: phrases that I had never heard before. Most of them sound like they're made up. Right, go on. All phrases
2: are made up, but yes. you yeah. I up, mean, the but... thing is-
0: <laughs> Well, so I wrote down some of the ones that I genuinely had never heard before. Right. And I know that the UK is vast, I mean, it makes up several countries. So if any of these are ones that you genuinely don't know, you can just say, "Oh, that's not from my region or whatever." But I wanted you,
1: to. S- you, you don't want me to lie, because <laughs> I could lie and make something up. So go on, fire away.
0: So I'm going to use them in a sentence, and these are the sentences that the website provided. The first one that I've never heard before is, "Would you take a butchers at this broken bike for me?" Excuse me.
1: Right, uh, butchers is so. The, the, do you know? doesn't you know that Cockney rhyming slang? No. In Cockneys, which is people from London, they will kind of pick a two, three word turn, which represents another word. So they might go apples and pears, stairs. And what was the one that you said? Butcher. Okay. So butchers, as in butcher's hook, look. Butcher's hook rhymes with look. Apples and pears rhymes with
0: stairs. So that's where it comes from? They're just rhyming?
1: Yeah, they're like, it's Cockney rhyming slang, so... Do they be, love
0: Dr. Seuss there?
1: No, they never heard of it.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: No, genuinely, I don't think people in this country know anything about Dr.
0: Seuss. Another one, it says, this road is chocka. Uh,
1: is chocker means busy. I I mean, it's not, I, it's a phrase I've used, but yeah, it means chocka block, means busy.
0: This one, they said it was Cockney. So they said, this week has done me in already and it's only Tuesday. I'm cream crackered.
1: Cream-crackered rhymes with knackered.
0: And knackered means? Exhausted. Okay. <laughs> those cockneys cockney. So if I don't know what they mean, I'll try and find a word that rhymes with what they just said and then try and figure out what that word means.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, y- you could go down a terrible pathway if you did something like that. But you're, yes, you could, yeah. Because knackered, there's like a knacker's yard, which is where you send cattle and horses which are dying or dead. Where I live now, so I'm looking out at some farmers' fields. And if one of the horses died, you'd call the knacker man, and he'd come and collect the um, corpse of the dead horse. Oh my gosh! I mean, um, and so you call the knacker man, and he would take those lame or dying horses to the knacker's yard. So knackered—that's where that comes Is from. Is that also Food what they would call the
0: bouncer who would like remove someone who's in, who's heavily intoxicated? Is that the knacker man?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't. As far as I know, I don't think. The bouncers in nightclubs have the legal justification to fire a bolt gun into somebody's head.
0: But they could, Probably they could not, apply but for the no. job and they would have a similar reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you'd want to just make sure they understood the difference between a horse and a human. But I think <laughs> yes. if, if that was the case, yeah, you'd be perfectly fine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can this you one... pass this test? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. This yeah. One's like...
1: <laughs> horse or human? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, this
0: one is my favorite.
1: Right, go on.
0: Um, you've made a dog's dinner of that paint job.
1: It means honestly. Oh good God, look at that. <laughs> oh, it looks like a right dog's dinner.
0: So how do you actually use that phrase? Like you know what it is, but people actually oh, yeah. use it in conversation. I would, I would,
1: yeah, I would do. So um if someone invites you to their house and says, Oh, i just um oh I oh, he's put some shelves upstairs. Oh really? Oh god, they're awfully made a right dog's dinner of it. <laughs> oh Corbin, just say something nice. Oh, they're really great.
0: Okay. Now that Kaylee and I are I would call ourselves certified experts on all things UK now.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> we're going to get ourselves definitely. killed. Got, Kaylee and I are going to go to the UK one day and we're going to
2: get ourselves killed. <laughs> I
1: don't think you I don't think you're going to have any problems at all. I think on your on your way to the bean shop, you'll go you know. It's to the what? bean
2: shop, my doc. Oh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> see
1: see as a woman you could go away with. It. But yeah, no, I think you'd be absolutely fine. I can see there being no problems at all. <laughs>
0: So now that we're experts, uh, we're going to dive into a story that I had never heard before, and it's the story of a woman named Margaret Hogg. So let's talk a little bit about Margaret. So Margaret was working as a flight attendant for Air Europe when she met her future husband, a man named Peter, who was an air pilot 19 years older than her. Now I couldn't find Margaret or Peter's exact birthdays anywhere. Um, But she would have been about 24 years old when she married Peter, who would have been about 43 years old. And they got married on November 11th, 1963. Right off the bat, uh, I always kind of see a red flag whenever there's a big age gap in marital
2: relationships. What do you guys think? After reading this outline, I I looked at like a couple of different peer-reviewed studies, and I can link them or I can just tell you what they are. And the, uh, The five different peer-reviewed studies that I read reference something called low relationship power. And it's prominent in relationships where there's a large age gap. And like saying this out loud, like I think everybody just knows kind of inherently because we recognize it. And the low relationship power can be due to like life experience, money, social influence. Peter was an airline pilot and Margaret was a flight attendant. There's obviously a large power dynamic there just within their like careers. And, And that's not inherently problematic. I don't think that's inherently problematic, but add in their age difference and for sure there's an, an indication of low relationship power in Margaret's case without knowing anything else just with those very straightforward facts I would automatically assume Margaret has low relationship power
1: the bit that struck me was the fact that there is this power dynamic that he is an airline pilot and she's an air stewardess Does that thing, is that you know, what first attracted you to a successful airline pilot? Well, it's the fact that he's a successful airline pilot.
0: So we don't actually know very much about their marriage, meaning like, I really don't know hardly anything. And what little we do know is all from Peter's accounts, because as we'll discuss later, Margaret wasn't around anymore to give us her version of events.
2: I have one more question.
0: Yeah. Was Peter married before? I don't have any indication of it.
1: I didn't see anything that he'd been yeah. married before.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like he was kind of an older bachelor whenever he married this much younger stewardess, which also could be another red flag. It depends.
1: Well, I can imagine from his point of view, he thought he was getting this glamorous younger hostess who was nearly a quarter of a century younger than it. Mm-hmm. And he had an expectation of how she was going to behave when she was married.
0: So. According to Peter Hogg, his wife began having an extramarital affair around 1973 after they'd been married for 10 years. Margaret's lover was an American bank executive named Graham Ryan, and their affair lasted for three years. Margaret and Graham were not discreet about their affair and actually spent the entire week prior to her disappearance together at a cottage in Dorset think i'm pronouncing that right so i don't know anything about dorset shane do you know anything about dorset
1: it's incredibly pretty and it's kind of rolling countryside thatched cottages it's probably about a couple of hours from london but it's on the it's on the south coast of england i mean so do you know what, it's a where a lot of wealthy people retire to
0: gotcha okay Okay, so it makes sense mm. that two lovers would run away to Dorset for... A- oh yeah, no,
1: it's a very it's a very kind of, you know, you could find yourself a beautiful little thatch, thatch cottage and there'd be like an old English pub next door and you could... Oh no it's, no, it's an ideal kind of place for a romantic break.
0: Okay, so what we know that happens next is about a month after Margaret has this romantic getaway with her lover... Um, Her husband, Peter, goes to the police and he reports her missing, but he also kind of tells them that he wasn't concerned for her well-being, and he believed that she had simply run away with her lover, Graham. Peter Hogg went on with his life and probably would have flown under the radar for a long time if it weren't for the fateful disappearance of another woman. So, side story, there was a 21-year-old college student from Paris named Veronique Mireille-Marais. In July of 1983, a 21-year-old college student named Veronique was staying at the Wasdale Youth Hostel in the Lake District and was last seen leaving a local pub headed toward a lake called Wustwater. Am I saying that right?
1: Right, can I just interject here? Yes. You've, you've done wonderfully. Wasdale, Wustwater, you've done brilliantly.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about this area?
1: the lake district is another national park and the lake itself is apparently the deepest lake in england i find it a bit embarrassing to to have these conversations with american people because (laughs) it's not really that deep
0: no it's not
1: (laughs) there's a puddle in wisconsin which is exactly the same size it's you know it's like what is it i don't know i wrote it down that's 300 meters deep and i mean scarfell pike which i think is the tallest mountain in england is a thousand foot tall what that's right isn't it is that right i wrote this down the other day a thousand meters
0: oh okay so that's, well, that's
1: what's that three thousand feet
0: yeah see and i'm from utah where we're known for our mountains and i climbed a mountain a few years ago that was like thirteen thousand feet
1: that's that's basically kilimanjaro yeah <laughs>
0: The English Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll continue with our story about Veronique. After Veronique goes missing, police search this four mile long lake of Westwater, but they can't find any trace of her. Seven months later, in February of 1984, an amateur diver named Neil Pritt was exploring Wasdale Lake when he stumbled upon a large piece of rolled up carpet anchored with a heavy concrete block about 110 feet below the surface. Pritt called the police, and several divers dragged the bundle of carpet ashore. When they opened it, they were shocked to find that it wasn't missing college student Veronique, but an obviously middle-aged woman whose body had been perfectly preserved like wax. Westwater Lake um, is very cold, almost always hovering around 44 degrees Fahrenheit, or seven degrees Celsius, and it contains fresh water, which is a near perfect environment for preventing decay.
1: Apparently, I was reading something about it, and they said that it was so cold that her makeup had still been preserved. Under oh the my water. god! What?
2: That's yeah. crazy.
1: But they, um, but apparently, this thing was knocking around at the bottom of the lake for ages, and people just moving it.
0: Well, because how long after was this? So she went missing in in seventy three, and now this is nineteen eighty four. So like yeah. 10 years? She'd been in the lake for about 10 years? Yeah. So they pull her ashore, and her body is perfectly preserved. What they find is that her body is half-naked, it's bound into a fetal position with electrical cables, and her head has a dry-cleaning bag over it. On her finger was a plain gold wedding band with an inscription that read, Margaret 63 Peter, which seems like a key piece of evidence
1: <laughs> yeah you don't have to be poirot for that one do you
0: <laughs> this is a case that even i could solve and i have no <laughs> so a woman named jillian seddon very quickly contacted police after these details were published in the newspapers because mrs seddon had been peter and margaret hoggs's former housekeeper and she knew that on november 11th 1963 was their wedding date So, on March 4th, 1984, Peter Hogg was arrested, and he was charged with his wife's murder. At his trial, Peter pled not guilty and argued that he killed Margaret in self-defense. According to Peter, the couple was engaged in mutual violence when he, quote-unquote, accidentally strangled his wife. Damn, I hate it when that happens, personally.
1: (laughs) Honestly, you know what happens more often than you think.
0: (laughs) I'm on, like, my fifth husband already. <laughs> yeah. They just have such weak necks.
1: <laughs> it takes five minutes to strangle someone to death.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. It's, it's not the kind of thing you go, You can't oh. accidentally do it. <laughs> well, no, because I was, look, I looked at some, there was, some like, some newspaper reports from the time, and he says how I strangled her until she went quiet. Well, no, I think she would have gone quiet and then passed yeah. out. Yeah. And then another four and a half minutes later, she would have died.
2: Yeah. I think you're recounting your evidence wrong, my guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know Whoops.
0: what it made me think of, Kayleen? Hmm. Do you remember our episode on Sarah Stern? Yeah. Shane, so we did an episode about a 19-year-old girl who was murdered by her best friend, who was also, I think, a 19 or 20-year-old young man. Hmm. And he attempted to strangle her and he underestimated just how long and how much force it required and he spent a good 30 minutes before oh, she died. Jesus.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, it's not like accidental and straightforward. Takes a long time to do it, especially if you're not doing it right, I guess. Not yeah. that I would know. You would no, have to you would no, have yeah. to do it
0: with intention. Like you would have to your intent would have to be to kill
2: them because like even if I gave Peter the benefit of the doubt in like accidentally strangling Margaret and she was attacking him and he was trying to prevent her from attacking him, he would still have to strangle her more than what was absolutely necessary to make her stop in order to kill her.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the the, the thing is, it's like I said, you, you know, they pass out, and then it stops.
2: Exactly. And I think that would deter her, even if she had been able to, like, regain consciousness and assess the situation from that point. I don't think she would have continued attacking him, because she would have been passed out and groggy, and, like, that would have been really painful as well. Yeah. Well,
1: even the language he uses, because the he said she came at him like a tiger. It's like, (laughs) what?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Keep in mind that, so we only have his version of events, right? And The way that he describes it, he doesn't- he doesn't describe any lead-up to what caused her to supposedly attack him. It just apparently comes out of nowhere. So his description is just, you know, she just flew at me in a rage. There's no description of like, well, why was she angry? Like, what caused it and why was she angry? And so you're trying to tell me that you were just in the kitchen doing the dishes and she came flying at you and tried to kill you.
2: Yeah. It seems like it, he had more motive to be angry than she did. She just got back from a romantic getaway with her said, lover, <laughs> with her yeah, banker boyfriend.
1: Because <laughs> he, he says something like, Oh, when she walked in at lunchtime, the row began. Hog described how Margaret came at him like a tiger, scratching, punching, and kicking. I just lost control and grabbed her throat with both my hands and squeezed until she stopped screaming. He said, All right. I quickly realized I had to get rid of her body. Oh my gosh!
0: Very quickly, actually. Um, yeah.
1: I, yeah, I did Hold think on. about I did think about the police, but only fleetingly.
0: <laughs> okay, let's let's talk okay, about this. Peter. So, I want to talk about what he does next. So, like we just described, he says his wife just flew at him, basically in a rut, rage, was kicking and scratching him and hitting him. So he grabs her by the throat, accidentally kills her, but he says it's mm. basically in self defense. According to his statements at trial, Peter claims that his wife started it and that her strangulation was accidental. After realizing that Margaret was dead, he allegedly rolled up her body in the carpet and drove her out to Westwater the next night, so a day later. He then transported her body out to the middle of the lake in an inflatable rowboat and tipped her body over
2: the side, weighted with a concrete block. Okay. Okay. I know he's trying to say this was accidental but i don't know who the fuck has an inflatable rowboat just like (laughs) maybe maybe people do i don't know but in my mind i don't have an inflatable rowboat and i live by water like i do you know
1: what do you know what if you were my wife i'd feel safe
2: She's not
0: prepared to commit murder. <laughs>
1: do you know what? Um, if, she's, if she's not going to get the stuff in advance, I don't know if she'll bother. But do you know what? Because I, I, I was looking into this. And he, he drove. He created an alibi for himself for the night. Now, it's pretty good going, he, you know, 12 years or whatever before he got caught. But he drove to his son's school, presumably with her in the boot. The trunk. And, yes.
2: <laughs> for our yeah. American listeners.
1: Yeah, so he stuck her in the trunk and drove to his son's school which is in Taunton which is hours away and then said oh yes I'm I'll I'll I'll, I'll take you home to London tomorrow to down to Surrey tomorrow so uh, yes I'll just go and stay in a hotel overnight checked into a hotel then drove all the way up to the Lake District which is like I mean it must be about five hours and apparently picked up the concrete on the way.
2: But he already had the inflatable rowboat. Okay, do we
0: think that this was planned in advance? That's my question for both of you. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, what makes you think?
2: Like, how far in advance? At least a couple months. um, At least as long as he knew about... As long as he knew about Margaret leaving with... uh, What's his name? Gary? (laughs) Graham. Graham, sorry. (laughs) As long as he knew about Margaret leaving with Graham, I think he was planning it. I think he thought it would be a perfect time so whenever he knew about Margaret leaving is when I think he started to plan it personally, because it, it's just lines up too perfectly. Um, he could just say that she ran away with Graham and, and he had all of this time between her coming back and her being gone a couple days after she supposedly came back to be like, well, I guess she just left me for real this time.
1: Yeah. Cause apparently she talked about it a lot. Cause he goes on about, oh, she threatened to leave all the time, but she never did. I mean, I wonder how much of an option she had to leave.
2: I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's what I don't understand. If she's having this long-term affair, why is she staying...
2: Is she benefiting from the relationship with Peter somehow still? They're both
0: well off, though, right? You said that Graham was this wealthy bank executive. Maybe he just didn't want to marry her.
1: Well, he had a family, didn't he?
0: Oh, is that what it was?
1: I, I don't know how premeditated it was, but I don't think it was... The idea that it's a crime of passion and, oh, you know what? If she wasn't just such a... I wouldn't have killed her. That doesn't really call a lot of house, I don't think.
0: So let's talk about what happens next. <laughs> so, as mentioned previously, Westwater is the deepest lake in England, but only in certain parts. So, Peter most likely chose this particular lake in hopes that his wife's body would never be recovered. So, that definitely shows planning right there. <laughs> mm.
1: Well, he went to school in Keswick,
0: which is and that's lake not district.
1: too far away, right? It's an, an hour's walk away.
0: So he was like, I know a place.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you know, oh, there's that lake nearby. It's just not deep enough. Oh God, oh, God. Because Firewall is just a bit deeper.
0: So Peter most likely chose this lake in hopes his wife's body would never be recovered. But as fate would have it, he missed the deepest part of the lake by only a few yards. So Margaret, <laughs> bad luck. Margaret's body settled on a ledge that was at only 110 feet deep which even an amateur diver could have found. Margaret's body could have sunk all the way down. And this is where I wrote it down. So the deepest part is 258 feet, in which case she probably wouldn't have been found. No. Because who's going down that deep?
1: You know, I was saying how they kind of moved it around. the Because it was a place where people dived a lot. And it was just this bit of all stuff rolled up in in a bit of polystyrene and plastic and stuff. And they just shifted it around.
0: That's what I heard that the local like navy divers would use it in their exercises.
1: Yeah, they were just like enthusiastic amateur divers and they were just they were moving it around all the time.
2: What? Yes. They didn't know. They never opened it? No. No. They 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 weren't like this sure looks fucking suspicious. (laughs) Maybe there's a lot of carpet down there. Okay, when when you said they were it was, moving it around, I thought you meant like like pe- the boats or whatever, or the, the tide, not the tide, but like the- No, people, It was divers. just moving it around because of the way the water was moving. I didn't think no, no. people were actually pushing it around. No,
1: it was first noticed in December 1983, but failed to lift it to the surface because it was heavy. Apparently it looked nothing like a body
2: people don't listen to enough true crime because if i saw a rolled up carpet at the bottom of a lake and i was a diver i'd be like there's there's yeah. a fucking body in there
1: I've, I've got a chocolate labrador and i take it out every day and just like fields and stuff behind the house and The number of times i thought oh maybe this will be the day
2: yeah maybe this will be the day. <laughs> i'm gonna find You'd something like to that, wouldn't you think?
1: i think i would <laughs> <laughs> And it put But no, uh, the other thing about how long ago was it? It was a couple of years ago. And, oh, this is terrible. There was, um, there's like an old Victorian dump, which doesn't sound too poetic. But um, sort of like a, a landfill sort of thing. It's not very really big. It's just, you know, where they cleared a load of stuff out. And it had rained. And as I was walking the dog, this forearm of what looked like a baby came <gasps> come out of the ground. It was a doll.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> but
1: I was like, holy fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've hit the mum load. Oh, my God. Not just a dead body, a dead baby. Because. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is like double bubble, this is this?
2: Is... Oh, my God.
1: But he wasn't. It was a, just a doll.
2: Shane, you were you're this close, Shane.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I crushed. Absolutely crushed.
2: You thought this was going to be your big break.
1: I did. I did. I think you know. Damn, I could get a really good podcast series out of this. (laughs)
0: This Dead baby. Oh my god. Okay, but it wasn't. (laughs) It was just a doll.
1: Just a doll. It's
0: always a mannequin. Yeah. Okay, so Margaret's body—it doesn't hit the deepest part of the lake. It hits a shelf at only 110 feet, and that's how it was able to be found. Uh, But for eight years, Peter really thought that he'd gotten away with the perfect crime, and. In a way, he actually still did. Considerate evidence was presented about Margaret's affair with Graham Ryan, and the sympathetic jury returned a verdict of manslaughter, and Peter Hogg was sentenced to four years in prison, which included one year for perjury in his divorce proceedings. It took the jury just over an hour to find him not guilty of
2: murder. I am unwell. Like, damn, folks, if you want to get away with murder, just stage the infidelity infidelity of your spouse and the jury will be so sad for you. Like, so sad.
1: All you've got to do is, is be a bloke and say who, whoever the woman is, well, she was putting it out a bit, wasn't she? Nudge, <laughs> nudge, wink, wink.
2: But
0: I, I wonder, mean, you're I... right. Like, if you, yeah. if you paint her as a whore and say, yeah. oh, she was cheating on me, I'm this poor, sad man, and it wasn't And my I acted fault. in
2: a fit of rage because I was so wronged. Yeah, I mean, the, the the coverage in the press is
1: wife who played the field. Oh, my God. Passionate temptress Margaret Hobb kept two men on a taut love string for more than <laughs> three years until one finally snapped and killed her, the old Bailey had It's though, you know, it was a matter of time before one of them did it.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, but how much has really changed, Kaylee? Let's
2: be honest. Not a lot, but I'm... Listen, I'm always, like, outrageously disappointed and never surprised. So... Here I am being outrageously disappointed once again. Mm.
1: You don't sound surprised though.
2: No. Not even a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but you have to admit four years is egregious. Yes. Like Peter knew about the affair for years leading up to this. So it's less believable to me that he just got so angry and like snapped and lost it in a fit of rage and strangled her. Do you know what? It's gone
1: on for so long. You've got to go, well, if you were that bothered by it, you'd have done something about it before now. Yeah, I I don't mean you could have killed her earlier.
2: I mean, like you would have potentially killed her earlier because that was something (laughs) I thought like it would be more believable after just finding out about the affair, although obviously still not acceptable. It would be much more believable, though, that he like snapped. But who Um, snaps after, like, three years of knowing that their wife is cheating on them? So the fact that he knew about the affair and then cited it as his reason that he lost control, that, that, like, shows planning to me.
0: This is what I don't understand, though, is that she just went missing. Peter reported it to the police and said, Oh, my wife's missing, but I think she ran away with her lover. Wouldn't that be easy to verify? One. And two, did Graham not say anything to anyone? Well, he was also an american banker
2: so he was out of the country
0: but right? your like years-long girlfriend or lover just stops returning your phone calls after you have a really romantic
2: getaway like what is it gonna do call peter be like yo where's well, my she, girlfriend
1: it, it's nonsense yeah. it's, it's like i just find it you know you go these are different times don't you and you hope that things change
0: this poor woman it just seems like I couldn't find any information about her, her family. It doesn't look like anyone really was looking for her after she disappeared.
1: I, I found some information. Go of the papers. Oh, she was attractive, buxom, and had a reputation for promiscuity that stretched back to her teenage years. So, I mean, that's painted a really damn objective and sympathetic image um, <laughs> of the of the victim, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Oh. She's got a slut her whole damn life.
1: Yeah, even as a teenager.
2: Yeah. Like, even if she was, she didn't decide to die. What the hell?
1: (laughs) No, no, and that's that's what what gets me about it. That's what gets me about the entire thing. Hate it. I mean, this is quite a novelty for me, because with my podcast, it's just me on my own. So I just sit there, and there's kind of moody music in the background of me going, and it wasn't until the fourth day that the body was found (laughs) lay at the bottom of the creek.
0: I love it.
1: But that's, so now I, and I don't do any... Um, rampant speculation, but I'm I'm off the hook now. Honestly, I feel yeah. liberated. I've never felt more alive.
0: <laughs> we just You're hanging out. with us, We're... We can, Yeah, we just throw out accusations. <laughs> exactly.
1: Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine.
0: No, uh, we need to get lawyers. Is what we need. Hmm. Okay. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off? Yeah.
2: Um. This was bullshit. Did I ruin your week? <laughs> Always.
1: Yeah. Can't help take that personally. I find the idea it was manslaughter. Utterly laughable. If we had been
0: in the jury, it would have turned out differently. Oh, we'd have been been a riot in the jury. Okay, I'm going to sign us off. Yes. So thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of Crime Soup. Be sure to find us on social media and let us know your thoughts on this case. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We also have an awesome website, crimesouppodcast.com, where you can listen to all past episodes and buy your very own Crime Soup merch. And if you'd like even more true crime content, be sure to follow our friend Shane from Peak True Crime to learn more about cases from the UK. So, Shane, can you tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Um, I don't don't know what it's called this week, but currently it started out as Twitter and now it's become X. So it could be (laughs) anything, but it's on... Yeah, if you just go to just search Peak True Crime on any of the social media things or on your podcast machine... (laughs) or wherever you find things like that
0: beautiful so as always we'll see you guys next week stay safe and bon appetit